Hi, and welcome to this edition of The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. We are going to have a phenomenal time as we introduce to you a new series that just dropped today. I am so excited that I get the opportunity to showcase it to you. I cannot wait to tell you about it and have you meet all the authors that are behind this great, wonderful series that just came today. Yes, so excited about that. But before I do that, I definitely want to thank our Patreon team for their support. We have been showcasing Christian authors worldwide for the past eight years, and as God wills, we'll continue to do so. To find out how you can help with this ministry, go to patreon.com slash write stuff and see how you can help. And as always, we covet your prayers. We want to thank our sponsor, Christian Book Club, for their support. To find out how they can help you build your readership, go to christianbookclub.net. And so without further ado, I'm going to introduce our guest co-hosts and contributors today. We have Lynn Donovan, Donna Schlachter, and R.L. Ashley. Ladies, how are you doing today? Hi, Parker. I am fantastic. I am so happy to be on your podcast today. It's been a while since I've been on here, hasn't it? It has been a minute. We definitely have to always <laughs> rectify that because I joy when I have you on the show. I am really excited to be telling everybody about this new series. It's very different, and I just can't wait to tell you more about it. Donna, what about you? I'm doing great today, Parker. Thanks for asking, and I'm really excited to be here. Um, it's been a great pleasure working with Lynn and with RL, and uh, I know that readers are really going to enjoy this series, just not only because it's different, but because the stories are really great. And RL, tell us about you, too. Hi, Parker. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to um, meet you and share a little bit about our series. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait to tell our listeners about it as well. For one thing, it has something to do with something you walk on all the time, or <laughs> you may not be aware that you're walking on them. And so I can't wait to tell our listeners about it. So let's just get right into it. What is the name of this new series that you guys have released hot off the press today? Christmas Under. And the reason it's called that is because in Colorado and several other towns, maybe in your town too, when they built downtown, they basically ran out of real estate. And so they started going underground to build tunnels to allow more shops to be on Main Street. And so what we have decided is that we wanted to get something really different and, and make it into a Christmas story. So we have got we have gathered some characters together and they are all women and they all own different shops that are all underground. This particular one is in one tunnel off of Main Street in Pueblo, Colorado. Now, that is very, very different for a lot of reasons. One, how many Christmas stories have you ever read about a tunnel? None. <laughs> and two, these shops are, are owned by women. And unless you were a, a tail, like a seamstress or a laundress or something along those lines, most women did not have businesses. So our women have very uncharacteristic businesses and they're all in the same tunnel so they all know each other and it's just really going to be a fun series 
here in Detroit, we're very familiar with the Underground Railroad because that was used to uh, curry slaves from um, south going up north to Canada and on. So, yeah, that's quite fascinating. So I can't wait to get in-depth into this story. Now, I would love to let our listeners know if this is a contemporary or a historic. It is a historical uh, romance collection, um, and the time period is December 1889. Right before 1890. So that's a good place to start. So we got Christmas and Tunnels. In Colorado and Pueblo, so lots of good stuff. We have some women owners who all own structures. So this is just the wonderful ingredients for a wonderful historical romance series. And I can't wait till our listeners go ahead and pick up your pre-order copy soon to go ahead and get this wonderful series. So let's go ahead and just start getting into the nitty-gritty of this story. So, Donna, let me ask you. When you guys were gathered to get this series together, what were some of the things you had to consider in order to make this work? Well, you know, we had to come up with our story idea and come up with some kind of a unique shop or business that our heroine operated. Um, as Lynn already said, we weren't looking for a seamstress or a milliner or laundresses. And so we uh, each kind of, you know, came up with our own idea. My particular character runs um, a watch and clock repair shop that she has inherited from her father who just passed away. Um, so that in itself was kind of unique that, um, especially in 1889, uh, women, number one, didn't really run their own business by themselves in many cases because they weren't even legally allowed to borrow money at that point without a male co-signer. Um, so a lot of the times you had to inherit the business or um, you had to, you know, have sold enough of something else, sold up some other business in order to start your own shop. So that was one thing. Another thing was keeping the characters consistent within the stories. So within each of our stories, we mentioned the other two heroines and other common characters. And so we've done quite a bit of swapping back and forth of scenes that contain each other's characters in order to make sure that we've got that character, you know, correct and their dialogue is correct. The stories happen, are, are basically all happening at the same time, which is, again, a little unusual. You know, the good thing was that R.L. and I had just recently done a contemporary collection um, it, that had a lot of those same characteristics. So we, we had a game plan for that about the swapping of the uh, scenes back and forth to each other. So that was really helpful. Elle, tell us how this whole idea of the Christmas on the Main Street come to be. Last, in June of 2021, yeah. I did a radio interview with, with Lynn. When we were finished with that, we went out for lunch and we were talking about writing. And we troubleshot the idea around of doing a Christmas collection with the tunnels in Pueblo. Um, both of us have the tunnels under our feet book. And we were just really intrigued by the idea because it was so different. And from there, we invited Donna in and um, she contributed lots of great ideas as well. And the, the whole series morphed from there. You know, RL, I think that's just a wonderful idea that you have there. But I do know that this is also based off some actual books that were out there talking about the tunnels. So, Lynn, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, um, as RL just said, I, I had a radio show here in Canyon City called Right Time Radio. I kind of got the idea from you with Right Stuff Radio. <laughs> 
And I interviewed uh, a really interesting local author named Tracy Beach, and this is a shameless plug for her. And she published this book, Tunnels Under Our Feet, <clears throat> where she went around Canyon City, Salida, Pueblo, Buena Vista, just all over, because they are all over in Colorado, and went into the tunnels and took pictures and just did all this. She's an amazing researcher. She goes to the historians of the town. She goes to the library, and she just digs and digs and digs. And then she puts together a book that's a documentary, but the way she writes it, it's almost like a fictitious story about, you know, whatever she's studying. They're just fascinating. And this book is just so intriguing. And like I said, I had her on the radio show, and I was just so amazed at the idea of tunnels. And then when R.L. mentions, you know, I've always wanted to write a, a story about these tunnels, I went, oh, that is so in line with what I've been thinking. So let's talk more about it. And that's how we came up with this series. I think that's one of the reasons why I love historical fiction and historical romance, because you have a wonderful palette to work with. With contemporary, you do have this blank canvas because of the fact that it is contemporary. It's in our modern times, and there's a lot of leeway you can work with. But in this segment of the stories, you have women with non-traditional roles and also in a non-traditional format. And so it really gives you a wonderful palette to work with as an artist, as a word artist. So let's go ahead and mm -hmm. dig deep down and dirty into this series. Mm -hmm. So let's start with you, Lynn. What is the name of your book and what is it about? The title of my book is Written on the Heart. And my character has a store where she sells this brand new fangled machine that literally just came into use in 1870s. It is called a typewriter. It, and about this year, about 1887 to 1889, it really started to catch on with businesses and such rather than pen and ink and handwriting out contracts and invoices, letters, you know, correspondence and stuff. Businesses discovered that by using these typewriters, they call them typewriters or typewriters or typing machines. They, they had all kinds of different names for them because they really, they, it was just so new that people were fascinated. Not that, let me, let me, not, think, of it, think of how your father feels when you introduce something newfangled to him and he's like, I want the old way. That's the way people were reacting to these typewriters. But my character is at the right place at the right time because, like I said, businesses are just now starting to get into, hey, this is a really good idea. It makes our business more efficient. It makes us look more professional. And so she's selling typewriters pretty quickly, and it's doing really well. Now, I have to tell you, Parker and I are, everybody knows this, but Parker and I are extremely good friends. We know each other very well. Um, her little dog, Sarah, passed away recently. And my character's name is Sarah, in honor of Parker. See, I knew I'd get teared up. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, I know, I know. And so that my character is Sarah Whitehead, and my hero is Don Oswald. I thought you were going to call him Michael, because <laughs> you know <laughs> my obsession with Michael B. Jordan. So no, that would I'm be, sorry. like, perfect. It wasn't. 
It wasn't about you, Parker. It was about Sarah. <laughs> it's about Sarah. Can it not be about you for once, right? <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Lynn, for honoring You're my welcome. baby girl. Thank you so much. You're now, welcome. I got to tell you, nowadays, a typewriter is an ancient artifact from Rome. <laughs> we mentioned that. So what were some of the research details implementing that into the story? Because typewriters they would have been much different back in the 1870s than even in the 1940s when they were in their heyday. That's when they actually started to do typing speeds based mm -hmm. off how fast a person can type around the 1940s. That's right. And one of the research things that I thought was really fascinating, I mean, everybody knows the keyboard that's called QWERTY, which is Q-W-E-R-T-Y, and that is your first what is that, five, six letters on the left-hand side at the top, Q-W-E-R-T-Y. That keyboard was actually implemented in the 1880s because, you know, there's still geniuses, there's still science, there's still people who want to make things as efficient as possible. And they, they researched and, and looked at the number of letters or the number of times a certain letter would be used to write words and they group the letters on the keyboard in such a way that the ones that are most commonly used are in the middle and the ones that are less commonly used are on the outside and that's how they came up with this keyboard and people when they first started learning in the in the 1880s when they first started learning how to use it rather than just poking with two fingers they actually taught a six finger method so they didn't use their little fingers. They used their first three fingers and they typed everything out that way. And they, they actually were going for the ability to type as quickly as possible because they were competing with people saying, well, I can take a pen and ink and I can write this out faster. So they were trying to prove that you could actually type faster on a typewriter, then you could write it out with a pen, plus you don't have to have the drying. You know, there was a whole study in the, the letters being lifted and slamming onto the, the paper and the type of ink that was on the ribbon. And, and it was just, it really was a lot of fun research looking into all that. Now we take it for granted, but so much time went into that. So I'm really excited to read your story, Lynn, when it comes out. And I know that comes out on December 7th, your copy of that book. So really excited to get that. Now, Donna, what were some of the historical details in your book that you are able to let our audience know about? Well, um, as I mentioned earlier, my main character is uh, she has inherited this watch and clock shop, uh, repairs mostly uh, with some sales. And watches and clocks really didn't change very much until we got up into um, more recent years. So, you know, it was uh, not a, a whole lot different than um, how, for example, my father was a master jeweler and he could, he could, he was a horologist and he could repair watches and clocks. And so I would watch, I remember watching him when I was a child. Uh, you know, with the jeweler's loop on his head and the and the little magnifying glass and uh, the the little pliers and files and the whole bit, uh, you know. So that really hadn't changed a lot because clocks are clocks and watches are watches, and they all work or they used to all work the same way with all of the gears and so on, the mainspring and the uh, you know the stem and all of that. And um, 
and even designs didn't change a whole lot until we got really up into current times. So, um, yeah, so my biggest uh, research, I think, was, you know, reading about the tunnels themselves, kind of envisioning this shop, and then figuring out how she was um, going to have a problem. Because, of course, there's no story if there isn't a problem. And uh, for me, the, the problem was, she was a woman, and this was a primarily a male-oriented um, occupation. And while not true of Pueblo, I made it true in my story, um, but there are many cities that have guilds uh, that for each of the crafts, and uh, horologist was a guild that women were not allowed to work in. So I did some research about those kinds of problems she would have come up against. But there's a personal aspect here that I'm sure you can appreciate because you are drawing from your own experience watching your father do these types of things. So what does that help you as far as the author with this particular story? How does that help cement the story for you? Uh, well, as I said, I remember my father um, working uh, for the, you know, and doing these kinds of repairs on watches. And then he eventually became a master jeweler as well. But so then he branched out into jewelry in general. But um, my main character, her father passed away just a month ago, and now she's got to get on uh, with life. And in a lot of ways, her purpose is keeping her father's memory alive for her. Uh, because, of course, you, as you know, every day that goes by, that the memories start to slip a little. Um, and so for me, I think it was also um, keeping my dad's memory alive in my mind and remembering all of those years that he spent doing that, uh, he passed away uh, almost seven years ago now. And so that really helped. And it helped me with generating the emotion, just what her memories mean to her and how important they are and how you don't want to lose those. I can't help but think of it thematically as well, keeping time, watching clocks, keeping memories, and memories keep the time. To, I mean, it's just really a lot of themes going on with that. So that's a really interesting aspect to look at it with your particular story. Now, tell us right. the name of your story. What's it called? It's called Time Will Tell. And um, I have a, a theme Bible verse for it, which is the one about how God makes everything beautiful in his time. Amen. So we keep referring back to that about time and um, time passing and uh, time will tell and, and things like that throughout the story, uh, referring back to both the title and also, of course, the theme verse. What a fascinating part, and I can't wait to get into that. Now, that book, Time Will Tell, drops on December 14th. So make sure you guys go ahead and pre-order your copies of those as well. Now, Al, what were some of the historical details in your story that our listeners are going to find just riveting? The ladies' safety bicycle came out in 1889, I believe, and my character, Penny Wheels, owns a bicycle shop. Her love interest owns the clothing store up above her, and there is a tunnel between their shops, and they talk all the time. Something that the ladies did was make and wear bloomers when they were riding their bicycles, and that was um, controversial in, in some aspects. Oh, yeah. So in, in my story, I'm having um, Noah Deals, he, the clothing store owner. He has a tailor shop in the back of his store and he is um, 
sewing the bloomers for my lead character, Penny. She's the wild child of the group. I love it. I mean, okay, seriously, my grandmother, years ago when we were kids, she looked at our underwear. I'm, I'm probably TMI, but this goes along with your story. I tell, I tell you, it goes along with your story. She's like, you guys aren't wearing underwear. You need to wear real underwear. And literally, she sewed her bloomers. She made bloomers, okay? And I'm like, and she's like, this is how you wear clothes. I said, mama, no one is wearing shorts under their skirts, right? <laughs> and she made it with this pink cotton material. It had elastics around the knee and up the waist. So that is hysterical, RL. You have no idea how hysterical that is. And so, but I can almost sense just from the time period, this will be kind of wild because her love interest is making her bloomers. I mean, whoa, <laughs> how hot is that for 1880 dies? So tell us some more about the bicycle part of this, of this uh, story. Well, back to the bloomers and the bicycles. I actually found a newspaper article published in 1889, somewhere around there, companies would make bloomers for women to purchase and wear while they were riding their bicycles. They were actually outer garments that were semi-approved by Society for Exercise. Oh, my gosh. So this was the exercise clothes then, too. Correct. Oh, my and gosh. The, the lady's bicycle had evolved um, – there were some men who decided the ladies market would be a good thing to tap into. So they adapted the bicycle so that a woman could ride it wearing long skirts. I see. And now the bicycles, are we talking about the bicycles with the big wheel and the small little wheel in the back? Are some of the ones that we're familiar with nowadays? Are the bicycles the same in your store as they are in, you know, 2021? Tell us about that. The bicycle, the Lady Safety Bicycle, came out with two of the same size wheels, very similar to what we have now. If you've ridden a bicycle from the 1940s and 50s, they're, they're very similar to what they were in 1889. Now, what is the name of your story? Wheels and Deals. I'm, I use the last names of both of my leading characters. And it makes it easy. And that one for our listeners out there drops on December 21st. So, again, make sure you go ahead and pre-order your copy today. This is just releasing and coming out today. So make sure you go ahead and get your copies of all of these stories. You can tell that a lot of work went into these stories and all the historical details. So I hope you guys can really appreciate it. Now, RL, you were the one with the genesis of this story. Why were you looking for something new to write? What was going on in your head? I like to come up with something no one else has done, if possible. I have been accused of having zany ideas. Um, so why not go with it and see what happens? Well, as I've always been told, crazy people don't see the world the same way we do. So, no, I'm just joking. I'm joking. But I love that. I love that. And this is different because, like you say, you have a Christmas theme, which is very prevalent nowadays. Everyone wants the magic of Christmas or they want to be reminded of Christmas and the good stuff. You know, we want our Hallmark movies. We want our you know, touchy-feely type of things, and that's what we like about the holidays. So really excited for you guys to have it during the Christmas season. Now, let's go back and talk a little bit more about each of your guys' stories. I want each of you to read an excerpt from your book. So, Lynn, let me go back to you. Now, tell us 
you told us something about the story. Go ahead and read the blurb, and then I would love for you to go ahead and read an excerpt. I'd be happy to. So my story is written on the heart, and this is what it's about. Sarah Whitehead is too busy running a business to find love for herself. She writes about romance instead in her spare time, hoping to one day successfully publish a novel. When Don Oswald walks into her shop to buy typewriters for his father's ranch office, Sarah realizes she knows nothing about romance. Can the magic of Christmas bring Don and Sarah everything they wish for this Christmas? Is a perfect love story written on the heart of the man she is meant to marry? Go ahead, Lynn, read the excerpt for us, but go ahead and set up so you know what's happening in this part of the story. Right. Thank you. So what's happening here is Don Oswald has come into her shop already, and he's bought a typewriter, and then he went back home, and he found out his father wanted six of them total. So now he's got to go back to her shop, which is humiliating to him, and he wasn't real keen on the woman owning the shop in the first place, so he's not real sure he likes her, shall we say. And so he has come back to speak to her. And then we also need to know that she has a cat named Snap because he's an orange cat and he's named Ginger Snap. So because you'll hear about Snap in this little excerpt also. So Mr. Oswald spun back to face her. You are the most, Sarah lifted her chin, pressed her nose into his face. What? The most what, Mr. Oswald? He leaned into her, taking her shoulders into his hands, and he kissed her hard. She was so stunned she didn't resist. She didn't kiss him back, but she didn't resist. She'd never been kissed like this. Was this how a cowboy, the cowboy in her story should have kissed Rebecca? He let go, and she stepped back, wiping his mouth with the back of his hand. His dog barked and looked as though he was smiling. Sarah glanced at the dog, then gawked at Mr. Oswald. What did you do that for? He rubbed the back of his neck. I, I don't know. You don't know? How could you not know? Do you always kiss a gouge just to shut her up? No, I didn't mean to. She paused. Her temper was boiling, and she needed to get control of herself. She closed her eyes and counted to ten. Then she opened them again, and he was staring at her with furrowed brow. What are you doing? He asked incredulously. I'm counting to 10. Why? So that I don't rip your head off, she blurted. He broke out laughing. She stared at him, laughing at her, but his jolly effervescent laughter was contagious. A giggle bubbled out of her mouth. She laughed with him. He, that's his dog, barked. From the corner of her eye, she saw an orange figure pop on top of the roll top desk. Glancing, she noticed Snap had returned to his spot, observing the jovial racket on the other side. That made her laugh even more. And that is an excerpt from Written on the Heart by Lynn Donovan, which is part of the Christmas Under Main Street series that just dropped today. I hope you guys really enjoyed it. I know I did, particularly when... Uh, he kissed her. He's like, what do you do that for? He's like, I don't have a clue. But now I want to know <laughs> what's going on in his head. So I hope you guys listening in were really titillated by the idea. Now, Donna, I would definitely want you to share with us the blurb of your story as well as an excerpt. 
So this again is from Time Will Tell. Sadie Bauer inherits her father's watch and clock repair shop in the mall beneath Main Street, Pueblo. However, she soon learns that fate conspires against her operating this business and keeping her father's memory alive. Will O'Reilly, recently dismissed for fighting, longs to help this beautiful damsel in distress, but she's about as prickly as a porcupine. He'd like their relationship to be more than employer-employee, but if she learns of their connection through their ex-fiancés, she might not want to have anything to do with him. Can Sadie overcome her mistrust of men in general and of a certain suave salesman in particular? Can Will get past his former betrothed infidelity? And can both learn to trust the God who makes all things beautiful in his time? Uh, so my excerpt comes from it's the uh, part of the opening scene of the book. Um, and uh, we're just going to see Sadie here and hear a little bit of her um, angst over her father's passing. Sadie sank into the ancient leather chair behind her father's workbench. Correction, her workbench now. She huffed, her breath raising the errant strands of hair at the center of her forehead. Her trembling hand gripped the official-looking envelope neatly addressed to her father. Not her. Although he died a month ago, still his loss created an ache in her throat. Bitter tears burned at the back of her eyes, blurring her vision, making the words dance. All around her, reminders of him. That ratty old sweater, holes in the elbows, and all the buttons long gone, hanging on the coat rack inside the door. His cold pipe in the ashtray in front of her, a faint whiff of his favorite tobacco hanging on. At her elbow, the sign she placed on the front door, alerting customers to a death in the family. She must open the shop, generate income, and save her father's correction, her business, and livelihood. She set her reticule on the table and sat back in the chair. Surely no good news ever arrived in a linen wrapper from a law firm. Sadie picked up a jeweler's file, its length and span in stark contrast to the task she now assigned it. Slipping the pointed and a tip beneath the seal on the rear of the envelope, she eased the brittle red wax from the stark white. Inside, a single sheet of paper. She inhaled then breathed out through her nose. Stop wasting time. Read it. Uh, so that that's uh, sort of my cliffhanger. Um, it turns out it's a letter from the Colorado Horological Association or Society, which is telling her basically she either has to shut her business because she's a woman and cannot be a member of this society, or she needs to find a man who will take on that role of chief watch and clock repair. Um, and it has to either be somebody trained in that field or somebody trained in uh, sort of a complementary field who could transfer over um, into that. So, and which is where Will comes in. He's a tool and die man. And that happens to be in my fictitious Colorado Horological Society, um, an agreeable uh, compromise of talents, we'll call it, that he could uh, become a master horologist. Isn't it just infuriating to think that some women really did have to deal with this, that because they were, quote, unquote, the weaker sex, they had to be guided by their male counterparts. So, yeah, I really enjoyed that dynamic there with that conflict in there. That's just really, really, really interesting. So I know yours will be dropping on December 14th, so make sure you go ahead and pre-order your copy 
of that today. So, Donna, thank you so much for sharing with us the blurb and the excerpt. Now, R.L., go ahead, read the blurb from your book as well as share an excerpt. Penny Wheels and Noah Deals have been best friends for 15 years. Penny owns a bicycle shop that is located under Noah's clothing store. Noah has been proposing to Penny every Christmas since then. Every Christmas, she puts him off for another year. Penny starts ladies cycling classes and names, and they name themselves the Bloomer Society. The ladies purchase bloomers to wear when they ride. They also start a collection for the Children's Fund. Bloomers go missing from Pueblo clotheslines and are sold secondhand. When the ladies set up a collection for the Children's Fund and the collection pins are stolen, Penny is accused of stealing them. Noah and Penny work together to solve the case of the stolen bloomers and funds for the children in Pueblo. Will Penny finally accept Noah's 15th proposal? And I will read a short blurb from Wheels and Deals. Prepare to die. Penny Wheels bent over the handles of her new ladies' safety bicycle. Set, go. Hey, wait for me. That's not part of the deal. Penny knew she needed to fight for every inch. I win. You make bloomers for the customers in my cycling classes. He yelled close behind her. I win. You accept my marriage proposal on Christmas Eve. She drew in a deep breath and pedaled harder. What makes you think this is the year I'll do so? Noah breathed heavily, the wheels of his bicycle drawing next to hers. I've proposed every Christmas for the previous 14 years. This will be my lucky year. Penny laughed. You sure about that? He glanced at her. Yes. She shook her head. I'm not ready. You say that every year. We're both 35 now. She sighed. I know, but I'm still unsure. Noah winked. I've loved you since the day I met you 15 years ago. How long does it take to prove to you I'm not going anywhere? Those gray eyes made it difficult for her to focus. Look out, he cried. The bridge is next. Penny swerved to miss a black cat that sauntered across the road. Aren't you on the lookout for a black cat? With one hand, Noah adjusted his winter cap, but tufts of red hair still managed to escape. She nodded. Still haven't found the right one yet. How many black cats do you have to look at to know if it's the right one? Penny stood on her pedals. I'll know when I know. She pushed with all her might as she reached the bridge. Men. She wouldn't have to explain to a woman the natural ability every lady possessed that discernment, knowledge, or instinct, depending on one's definition. Her legs screamed with the demand placed on them. She learned she could cover more ground faster on the new lady's bike if she stood. While not sustainable for long distance, it did help her pick up speed, and she had a need for speed. Penny loved the view of the Arkansas River with snow-capped Pikes Peak in the distance. I've added another tailor to my staff. Good. It will help with bloomer production. He chuckled. If you win. And that was an excerpt from Wheels and Deals by R.L. Ashley, which is book three of the Christmas Under Main Street series, which is just dropped today. That one releases on December 21st. So make sure you go ahead and pre-order your copy today. I love the fact that Noah is so patient because had you told me no three times, we're done, okay? 15 times is a huge commitment. It's a huge <laughs> commitment to that. So, no, well, not 15, 14. 
14 times. It's a huge commitment. So, yeah, very exciting uh, with your characters. I've really enjoyed every single excerpt from this series, and I know our listeners are going to enjoy them as well. So make sure you go ahead, go to Amazon.com, and pre-order your copies of all three today. Now, we're at the end of our show today, ladies. I want to thank you guys so very much for being with me. So without further ado, what I want to do is give people an opportunity to contact you via your online social media or website presence. So, R.L., we'll start with you. What is the best way for readers to get in contact with you? It's R.L. Ashley, author, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And, Donna, what about you? Uh, so I'm also pretty active on Facebook, and that uh, handle is Donna Schlachter Author. And uh, I also have a website, History Through the Ages, uh, with a T-H-R-U for throughtheages.com. Uh, I have a newsletter that readers can subscribe to and receive a free ebook. And I'm always excited. Uh, we also have a birthday club uh, that they can join through that newsletter and a street team, and so I, I just love hearing from readers. And Lynn, go ahead and round this all out. I have a website, and it's lynndonovanauthor.com, and you should be able to, notice my disclaimer, you should be able to get all my latest releases plus anything that's up for pre-order um, on that website. I am on Facebook. And if you would like to join books by author Lynn Donovan, it's a group on Facebook and all my uh, good readers are on there. And that by being part of that group, you'll get all the latest, greatest information. Plus I put out questions ever so often because sometimes I need help with characters or, you know, names or certain, you know, working out plot ideas. And I go to my readers and I ask them, and if I use their idea, then I give them one of the books that that will go into. So that's, it's a lot of fun to be part of that. But I also want to invite everybody to come over to Facebook and go to Christmas Under Main Street Readers Group. And you can just put that in and you'll be able to find it. It's, it's not going to be hard. I hope it's not going to be hard anyway uh, for you to connect with this series. Uh, you can visit with the three of us, um, you know, get ideas uh, about what's going on and r reminders of when these books are going to be released in case you forget. You can get the links to them because we've got them all linked to Amazon now. And just, uh, just stay in touch. We envision that this series might go into some other um, holidays. You know, we got other holidays throughout the year, so there might be valentine's day under main street or easter under main street i'm not real sure so if you join that group then you'll be in the know before anybody else it's it's it'll be great and we'd love to visit with you on those those sites and I got to tell you, for all of you listening, make sure you go ahead and follow these ladies at their social media 
um, handles that they gave you and also join the Facebook group, Christmas Under Main Street. And one of the reasons why I highly encourage you to do that is because you get to have an opportunity to find out what's happening before anyone else. You get to talk to the authors directly. You also get to sometimes they have they have games, they may have an opportunity for you to be hands-on in the experience of writing a book. Nowadays, it is so easy to connect with authors because authors are highly accessible, unless you're Stephen King. <laughs> authors are highly accessible, <laughs> and you have that opportunity Daddy to talk to the author. I know, right? <laughs> and I wish he had me on auto yeah. dial, uh, but yes. I, I know, I know. But it's really That's interesting <laughs> to go ahead and have that access. And I know we had a couple of readers, me and Lynn, we were in a map together, and we had readers who were, you remember, Lynn, they were just so excited about our new work, and they wanted to be a part of it. And so this is your opportunity to be a part of a writer's life. You get to ask questions, and there is nothing more that writers like to do than talk about their process, their stories, and yeah. answer your questions. So make sure you go ahead, join Christmas Under Main Street Facebook group. It's a great place to be, and you're definitely going to enjoy it. Now, this show, as we begin to close, is always about encouraging authors whom God has given the gift to write to pick up the pen and do so. So in your own way, go ahead and encourage those authors out out there today. RL, we'll start with you. It's really important as writers to tell our stories, and the stories that God gives us are usually the best ones. And I'm a very slow writer, but I'm learning to take um, a pad and paper with me, write on the go. I will dictate into my phone and then copy and paste what I wrote on my phone into my document when I get home from work. I would like to write full-time, but right now that door hasn't opened. So if you're a writer and you have a dream, don't wait on that. Get started now. Donna, what about you? I would just like to encourage uh, the writers who are out there to um, treat your writing seriously. God does. And if you want others to treat you seriously about your writing, you need to do that. And I'd also encourage you, though, most of all, don't get caught in the comparison trap. Don't don't compare yourself to the Stephen Kings or or whoever you know the next biggest author is along the way. Uh, your story, as RL said, is unique to you. It was given to you by God, and so you just need to be faithful to transcribe that story for Him, and then um, figure out how to get it out into the world. And Lynn, my darling, Parker, my love. <laughs> I would like to encourage everyone to realize that it's never too late. Um, I had I had an idea in my head 30, no, 40 years ago. And 10 years ago, I put that book, that idea on paper and published my very first book 10 years ago. Um and now I've published over 70 books and I am, I'm just going to say it. I'm 64 years old. So I'm just saying it's never too late. And I was recently told in a prophecy that was being given to me that God never forgets. And I think this is an example of that very thing, because I think 40 years ago, he planted the idea in my head 
to write and I didn't do anything about it for 30 years. And then when I did, he blessed it and I've been prolific in my writing. Um, I can't, I am like floored that I can sit here and honestly say I have 70 books written and published on Amazon. I, I just, that's phenomenal to me. 10 years ago, I would have, I couldn't imagine having five books published, you know? So God has blessed me so much. And I, I just really want to encourage anyone. If you're thinking, oh, I've waited too long. I just can't do this. Yeah, you can. Because what was it? Colonel Sanders was in his 60s when he first got somebody to buy his recipe. <laughs> so it's never too late. The oldest author who just started writing their book was 80 years old that I have showcased on this show. Go ahead, pick up the pen, and write stuff. Ladies, thank you so much for joining me for this edition of the show. Really looking forward to the series. And again, for those of you listening, the series is hot today. Go ahead and go to Amazon and type in Christmas Under Main Street and then wait for the first book to be released on December 7th by Lynn Donovan, December 14th by Donna Schlachter, and December 21st by R.L. Ashley. Just go there, pre-order your copies today, and you are definitely going to enjoy this series. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of The Right Stuff. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.